0: What is it about the unknown that fascinates us so much? Is it for the thrill of it all? Or do we seek proof of life after death? Whatever our reason may be, we find ourselves being drawn in by these places and the bone-chilling tales that they have to offer. Tortured souls cross boundaries to reach out with stories that they want to share with us. There are times we simply hear the echoes of a memory on loop. The question that remains is this, are you open-minded enough to handle it? Dive into the paranormal with DC
1: O'Rourke, your personal guide, as we traverse the globe to dissect haunted
0: places in each and every episode of Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal, where the spirits are always waiting. Welcome back, my friends, and thanks for tuning in to Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. I'm DC O'Rourke, and I invite you to get together with me each episode to hear chilling tales of those who have left us behind. If you would like to have a particular story told on this podcast, or even have a suggestion for a new place for us to investigate, drop us a line, yours Podcast at gmail.com, or give us a call directly at 804 804- Six, eight, four, one, six, four, four. This marks episode number 6 and we will be taking a look at the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. I do apologize for the wait, but there was a lot of information to dig up on this very iconic building. The history alone uh, its so plentiful I could get lost in it for days. I kid you not. Then there are, are the ghost stories on top of that all the same, we will do our best to remember the Alamo, and we'll do it in more ways than one. So without further ado, let us tread on the hollow ground and try to understand why the Alamo has gone on to become one of the most haunted places in Texas. Originally, the Alamo was known as Mission San Antonio de Valero. Its beginnings, much like any church, were humble to the fullest extent. All of the land that would go on to later create the great state of Texas just so happened to belong to Spain. This was in the 16th century, of course. Over the next two centuries, the land was shaped and molded thanks to the efforts of various famous explorers. Along with the Spaniards came a belief system, a little thing called Christianity. More specifically, roman catholicism and by the latter end of the 17th century franciscan monks were being tasked with colonizing the texas territory in the name of the king of spain well as it would turn out there were native americans already living in the region and the king realized that converting them to christianity was an absolute necessity if this happened, why it would save their very souls and make it easier for them as they adapted to a European lifestyle. Here's what it all boiled down to in the end. If the natives were converted, the king stood to make a nice profit from the settling of the Americas. If anyone knows anything about history, I'm, I'm sure you smelled disaster a mile away as soon as I said that because this did not work out for the monks, not at all. The Native Americans attacked and rallied against the mind-watching that they were trying to force upon them. Eventually, between the attacks and the food shortages, the monks abandoned their cause for the time being, thinking it was God's will. They didn't give up, though. Returning in the 18th century, the Franciscans began to establish a line of missions all the way from the town of Guerrero to the Rio Grande. In 1718, a site for a new church was chosen by Father Antonio de San Buenaventura y Alivares after the first successful mission. San Francisco de Solano in the Rio Grande Valley, most unfortunately, took a turn for the worse, and there was no coming back either. The success, well, I should say the unsuccess, because that establishment was not successful at all. It was just near the Nagadoches town, and it had the monks fleeing for their lives, and they sought refuge under a cottonwood tree along the beautiful banks of the San Antonio River. Father Antonio called to mind that very spot from nearly a decade earlier. And as they all stood together beneath the tree, it was then that they decided this is where they would build their first mission. The site was chosen in 1724, but did not actually begin on Mission San Antonio de Valero until 20 years later in 1744 where did they get the name i I think that's a good question it would seem that the church took its name from saint anthony of padua and the spanish viceroy san antonio de valero the church would go on to become one of five that the missionaries would later build the spanish had begun to s- secularized the region by 1793. And for a while, the, ho- the first hospital in Texas could be found at the mission San Antonio de Valero. Later on, it was recommissioned as a fort and given a new name, the Alamo, for the cottonwood tree that Father Antonio had gathered under nearly 80 years before. For those who don't speak Spanish, allow me to fill you in. Alamo means cottonwood. With plenty of room for barracks in the complex, no one was surprised in 1803 when a company of a hundred or so armed soldiers moved on in with their families. The Alamo defenders would protect the complex for a period of 32 years from the local Native American tribes, the Apaches and Comanches. In 1821, Mexico won their independence from Spain, and it was in that moment that the people of the Alamo and all of San Antonio, Texas, That they stopped and wondered when their day would come when would they be free of the tyranny of the mexican regime a battle was on the horizon october 2nd 1835 somewhere near the town of gonzalez the texas revolution broke out this was only the beginning in December, the Texas troops banded together and drove into San Antonio for the five-day struggle that lay ahead of them. It was brutal. The fighting waged on for three very long days between the Texas and General Martin Perfector de Cos, the brother-in-law of General Santa Ana. What happened in that time was truly the stuff of nightmares. Snipers ran across the rooftops and took down targets. Men from both sides were locked in hand-to-hand combat, screaming at the top of their lungs as shots were fired and bayonets were stabbed into flesh. Blood flowed forth like the Rio Grande and stained the ground red with their blood. You considered yourself lucky if you walked away unscathed. While the struggle was an exhausting one and power of the city shifted consistently, the Texans ultimately won in the end and the Mexicans had no choice but to surrender. The Texans let them know their demands and General Cost signed over everything they desired. I'm talking about, a, I'm talking about weapons, ammunition, money, property, you name it. Furious, General Cost took his troops and left for the Rio Grande as it was all over. For the time being anyway. By the time January of 1836 had rolled around, the people residing within the walls of the Alamo had made the decision to re-outfit the place as their home base. It was the right thing to do. A famous visitor graced the fort not too long after. He was known as the volunteer volunteer soldier who liked to wield a double-edged knife. History remembers him as Jim Bowie, a colonel in those days. His reason for showing up at the church was a simple one. He was under orders. General Sam Houston explicitly told him to line the walls with dynamite and gunpowder. In other words, he wanted Bowie to blow the place up. Well, Bowie didn't exactly agree with that. While he fully understood that they couldn't allow General Santa Anna's troops to capture their weapons, he couldn't allow the only line of defense to be blown sky high. Colonel James Bowie had 25 volunteer soldiers under his command, and he knew he needed help. The call to arms had been heard, though, and Colonel William Travis showed up at the walls of the Alamo with more than a hundred vigorous military men. Their numbers were still not enough, though. 140 men? 140 Texans versus the Mexican army, which totaled over a thousand. Disaster would befall them with a flick of Santa Anna's wrist if he got near them. Colonel Travis reached out for help from the Texas government repeatedly and waited with bated breath for an answer every time. Travis later lowered his head in disappointment as no response ever came. Both he and Bowie put their heads together and then luck eventually smiled down upon them. Another visitor had shown up at the Alamo, and he had brought with him 20 volunteer soldiers. It was the legendary Davy Crockett. Now, don't get me wrong. The dude was a legend, even in his own time. But most folks thought he was insane. He had reportedly killed 108 bears over the span of eight months and rode allegedly on the backs of alligators as a workout routine. Travis and Bowie didn't care, though. He was the perfect man for the perfect fight that they were about to find themselves in. Crockett's men brought their numbers up to 189. Hey, it was better than nothing, right? Desperate and fearful of the 1,500-man army that was fast approaching, Colonel Travis sent out one last message to the government. This was all going to turn out one, one way or another. They would win or they would all die trying. It was as simple as that. Just four days after that, though, General Santa Anna captured the city of San Antonio and raised a red flag high into the air for all to see. His message was clear. Surrender, or I will leave no survivors. The mighty 189-man battalion of Texans responded to this threat with a single cannon blast. After that, the battle for the Alamo began so the rest of what happened is actually kind of sketchy we really don't know the exact details of the battle and i'm kind of going insane just thinking about it because i have to know i have so many questions here's what i do know though not a single texan soldier survived that bloodbath, with the exception of colonel travis's slave joe he was captured by general santa anna but later released as the general realized he had no choice in whose side he was fighting for as for the rest well we look to different paintings songs bits of folklore and even some oral history that has been passed down over the years to find some semblance of an answer travis colonel william travis that is he's remembered for being one of the first to die as he went out in a blaze of glory rifle tucked under his shoulder firing it off into the horde of Mexican soldiers the legendary Davy Crockett is remembered for holding his musket way up above his head fighting the good fight even when he had run out of ammo he used the butt of his musket as a weapon it said then there's Colonel James Bowie this man was fighting a completely different fight at that point He was fighting typhoid pneumonia, but even as the Mexicans invaded his bedroom, he fired off shot after shot after shot. He didn't let up until they all came down on him, running him through with their bayonets. Every single one of them all fought until their very last breath, and it said that one rallying cry could be heard throughout it all. Remember the Alamo a chilling but heroic battle cry that will forever be remembered even those brave men have long since left us texas would eventually win its independence from mexico just three weeks after the battle of the alamo had ended now i'm not surprised one bit that the alamo is haunted not at all it's said that after The battle that General Santa Anna refused to grant the Texan defenders a a proper burial. Bodies were lined on pyres and set on fire. Others were buried in a mass grave, while others were slung disrespectfully in the San Antonio River like pieces of garbage. Some people have claimed that the bodies were all gathered up and buried in an unmarked grave somewhere. That location is unknown to history, though. Wherever those souls may be, wherever they are, I personally think they are lost. They are still bound to what they held so sacred in life, and they can't let go of it. They are still protecting that land, that sacred, hollowed land. All right, we just heard a lot of history. Yeah. It's a lot. And I actually gave you an abridged version, by the way. If you wish to hear the extended version, I encourage you, go read about it. It's really, really interesting. There's so much there, so much to talk about. But I don't want to bog you down in the history because we have to make it to the paranormal. But before we get to the paranormal stories... How about we take a quick commercial break, clear our heads and prepare ourselves for the multitude of paranormal activity that I am about to lay at your feet? Stay tuned, my friends.
1: A hundred eighty were challenged by Travis to die. The line that he drew with his sword When the battle was nigh Any man that will fight to the death Cross over, but if you want to live You better fly And over the line with a hundred and seventy-nine Hey, Sant'Anna, we're killing your soldiers below that men wherever they go, will remember the Alamo. Oh boy lay dying his powder was ready and dry Lad on his back, boy killed him a few and replied. And young Davy Crockett was singing and laughing with gallantry fierce in his eye. For God and for freedom, a man more than willing to die. Hey, Sandy we're killing your soldiers below. That men, wherever they go, will remember the Alamo. sent a young scout from the battlements bloody and loud with words of farewell from a garrison valiant and proud grieve not little darling my dying if Texas is sovereign and free we'll never surrender and ever with liberty be Hey, Santiago, we're killing your soldiers below, that men wherever they go will remember the Alamo. Amen.
0: and we're back let's take a look at the hauntings of the alamo now because there are so many of them over the years a, a large number of skeptics and believers alike have experienced startling unexplained paranormal phenomena at this building invariably some of these events can be dismissed as the product of Overactive imaginations, probably, and some have even been explained by science itself. But, like so many other famous haunted battlefields and forts that have experienced their own incidents of death, murder, and extreme emotional crisis, the Alamo, I think, is probably the best-known psychic dead zone in the United States. Ghostly tales about the Alamo can actually be traced all the way back to 1836, believe it or not. Several weeks after the Battle of the Alamo, Santa Ana ordered General Andrade to raise the Alamo and in doing so, ensure that nothing was left standing like any military commander holding the rank of General Andrade delegated this unwholesome task to a trusted subordinate, Colonel Sanchez. Upon the arrival of Colonel Sanchez and his men, all that remained of the old mission was the chapel. Resolute to carry out Santa Anna's demands, Colonel Sanchez instructed his troops to begin tearing down the church. As the details set about preparing to carry out the order, work was abruptly halted when six ghostly monks materialized from the walls of the chapel. The soldiers watched in stunned silence as the Diablos slowly advanced, waving flaming swords over their heads, while all the time issuing a warning in an inhuman screech, "'Do not touch the walls of the Alamo!' Heeding the ghostly advice, Colonel Sanchez and his men retreated with their tails between their legs." When General Andrade heard of Colonel Sanchez's cowardice, he returned to the Alamo himself with troops and a little insurance, a cannon. Andrade instructed his gunners to aim the cannon at the front doors of the chapel, but before it could be prepared to fire, the six ghostly monks reappeared with fiery swords in hand. As the moaning figures approached the flummoxed general and his contingent, they again issued their unnerving warning. The ghosts' moaning voices startled Andrade's horse, and the general was unseated. When General Andrade had regained both his composure and the reins of his steed, he was disgusted to see his men fleeing for their lives. Considering the situation, this was something the general should have done, but instead Andrade remounted his horse and turned to look at the Alamo one last time. To his horror, the general watched as a wall of flame erupted from the ground in and around the low barracks. The smoke from the unholy fire that congealed into the form of a large, imposing man. In each of the massive figure's hands were balls of fire, which he hurled at the general like an avenging angel. General Andrade retreated from the scene presumably before the fireballs could hit their mark and no one has dared harm the sacred site since. Folks at the time believed that the larger-than-life spirit was an amalgamation of the spectral energy of all the dead Alamo defenders that, when combined, it created the mission's menacing protector. Official records and later archaeological excavations conducted at the Alamo seem to contradict the engrossing story of General Andrade's encounter with the six phantom monks. Factual evidence suggests that Andrade successfully leveled many of the walls of the fort and dismantled or burned the wooden palisade that had been erected in front of the church and along the south wall of the compound. Apparently, he was not as scared by the fiery giant as the previous story really suggests. Hmm. I just kind of have to scratch my head on that one. During the late 1800s, though, the ghostly activity at the Alamo was big news in San Antonio. In 1894, the city of San Antonio pressed the mission into service as a police headquarters and jail. It was not long before prisoners housed in the old barracks started to complain about all kinds of ghostly activity in there. Several articles were printed in the San Antonio San Antonio Express News in February of 1894 and August 1897 they seem to confirm that paranormal activity was in fact taking place on a regular basis at the Alamo the articles detail fanciful tales of a, a ghostly sentry said to walk from east to west on the roof of the police station the ghostly manifestations, which included mysterious shadows and moaning sounds, were said to be prominent that the guards and watchmen refused to patrol the building after hours. This caused quite a stir at City Hall. Many of the councilmen felt that making prisoners sleep with ghosts was cruel and unusual punishment. A short time later, the city of San Antonio abandoned his plans for the Alamo in favor of a jail site that was, well... <laughs> less haunted. Hmm. Why am I not surprised? The paranormal incidents reported in 1894 and 1897 seem to unabashedly replay themselves over and over again, even today. Several reoccurring stories tell of a phantom sentry that has been observed walking frantically back and forth across the top of the Alamo. Some witnesses believe the ghostly guard is looking for a means of escape, while others are certain that the specter stands watch over the missing treasure of the Alamo. In addition to the presence of the ghostly Century, tourists, park rangers, and passersby have reported seeing a myriad of grotesque men emanating from the very walls of the Alamo itself after hours sometimes this paranormal menagerie is accompanied by disembodied screams and yelling of men trapped in the throes of an invisible c- conflict of some sort members of numerous tour groups ghost hunters psychics they have all visited the site and claim that they have felt invisible eyes watching them as they have traveled down the dark corridors of the alamos halls ordinary people and insist- that they have heard voices and whispers that seem to filter through the very walls of the mission as if they were attempting to communicate with the world of the living. Others tell lesser stories about their encounters with vanishing lights, eerie cold spots, and a multitude of unexplained noises. In one instance, a park ranger at the Elmo encountered the ghost of a man dressed in attire from the 1830s, he said. It was a really hot day Late spring, when the ranger first viewed the suspicious man on the fort grounds, walking towards the library. As the ranger hurried after the man, he observed that he was wearing tall boots, a plantation hat, and long overcoat. To the ranger's surprise, the puzzling man faded, faded away into obscurity when he neared the chapel. When the ranger investigated further, he could not find any evidence of the stranger's passing. Others have alleged to have seen the, the same apparition numerous times in the courtyard of the Alamo, both during the day and at night. Generally, the most often repeated ghost story about the Alamo defies all logic to <laughs> total. It really does. It focuses on the spirit of a little boy who is rumored to haunt the park's gift shop. The gift shop of all places. Both visitors and park rangers alike claim to have seen a little, blonde-haired boy. Raging in age from 10 to 12, he just stares out into the courtyard from one of the store's high, inaccessible windows. The small boy is only visible from the waist up and has never become a full-bodied apparition as of yet. Rangers who have searched the gift shop in hopes of catching this ghostly prankster have come up empty-handed. In each instance, they have concluded that there is no way that a real person could perch him or herself in the window without something to climb up on or some way of supporting themselves. The mystery only gets more convoluted when you consider the fact that the gift shop was not built until the 1930s. So, who is the little boy? Legend says that the last days of the siege of the Alamo had something going on involving a small boy. This small boy was evacuated from the mission. It's believed that he returns to the same spot where he recalls last seeing a loved one alive. The ghostly child may appear to be looking out of the down from the window at curious onlookers when in fact his eyes only search for a comforting glimpse of a father brother or another family member who have made the ultimate sacrifice there at some point in the alamo's very tumultuous history one of the more interesting ghosts encountered at the alamo is that of the duke himself you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, John Wayne. As the director and leading actor in the bigger-than-life spectacle, The Alamo, John Wayne spent over $1.5 million recreating an exact replica of the old mission in Brackettville, Texas. In an effort to make the movie as historically accurate as possible, Wayne personally toured the original Alamo site and consulted actual blueprints. Excuse me of the fortress. Wow, I I actually knew that, but it still blows my mind. I mean, the dedication I I can fully appreciate. Shortly after his death. The Duke's ghost was observed at the real Alamo walking the grounds. He has also been observed visiting and talking with the spirits of the fort's patriotic dead. The story was so telling that a psychic was enlisted to confirm rumors that John Wayne's spirit visited the Alamo on a regular basis. Now, I have to stop and ask why, but let's continue. The psychic Substantiated the fact that Duke's ghost stops over at the Alamo about once a month, but cannot shed any light on where he manifests himself the rest of the time. Many believe that the Duke put so much energy and enthusiasm into the making of his movie that it seems only natural that he left a little bit of himself there when he 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 himself passed into into the afterlife. It's often said that. He became obsessed with the sequence of events that led to the fall of the Alamo, so it kind of makes sense. I mean, he was a stickler for historical accuracy. We really can't delve into the various hauntings that are known to take place at the Alamo without discussing the most prominent ghost to make his presence known at the mission throughout the years. At various times during the year, park rangers have observed a transparent figure dressed in buckskin clothing and sporting a flintlock rifle standing guard near the chapel. This is believed to be the spirit of none other than Davy Crockett. Other people who have seen the Phantom vigilantly standing at attention at various locations around the Alamo to say that he's wearing a coonskin cap, a buckskin shirt, and moccasins. In several other instances, this figment has been observed by several different people from different angles at the same time. All of these observations in themselves prove that the ghost, most generally associated with Davy Crockett, is more than just an optical illusion. Could it be that Davy Crockett's heroic death at the Alamo has been forever immortalized in some sort of twisted, haunted vignette? One of the grisliest phantom images to play itself out at the old mission occurs in the Lung Barracks. It has all the characteristics of what paranormal investigators will call a residual-type haunting, but it's also very similar to the fictional way Davy Crockett was said to have perished. One night, a ranger entered the barracks and observed a hideous scene. There, leaning against the wall, was a man wearing buckskin clothing, typically worn by frontiersmen during the 1800s. To the ranger's trained eye, it appeared that the man's torso had been riddled with bullet holes. Before the ranger could react, the spirits of several Mexican soldiers stepped from out of the darkness and encircled the stranger with their bayonets at the ready. Like a coiled spring, the ghostly soldiers pounced, thrusting their long blades through the incorporeal body of the anguished, buckskin-clad specter. In an instant, the encounter played itself out, and the ethereal apparitions just sort of faded away, leaving one emotionally drained ranger in their wake. In conclusion... I, I I guess you could say that the horrors of war can leave psychic scars on a landmark in the ground that it sits upon. Parapsychologists have been talking about this for years. And people have been feeling this at the Alamo since 1836, and it hasn't stopped. The Alamo deserves to be remembered, and in more ways than one. I think we've done that here, I don't know about you guys. It is by far one of the most interesting paranormal case studies that I have ever come across, I will say that. No doubt, it will be going on my list of places to visit and hopefully investigate, if they let me. As always, thanks so much for tuning in to Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. I am T.C. O'Rourke, and I invite you to get together with me each episode to hear chilling tales of those who have left us behind. If you are enjoying our show, leave us a review, rating, on whatever platform you're listening on. Don't forget to subscribe. Head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Leave us a like, follow us, check out our photos, videos, and more. Help us get the word out and there in turn keep these stories alive. Because in the end, that's what it's all about. Until next time, my friends, I am and will remain, much like the spirits, hauntingly yours.